Grace and mercy and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a lot of joy to be found in gardening. It's a good excuse to spend some time outside enjoying the fresh air. It's engaging, putting your your body and mind to use, caring for nature. There's a miraculous element to it as those dead little seeds come to life and plants spring from the barren ground. There's beauty in the foliage and flowers. And there's satisfaction in the results of all of your, your work, the good food that you can put on your table food you've grown yourself. There can also be a lot of frustration in gardening. Those seeds, the plants, the the vegetables that uh, you find so tasty, well, it turns out they're also a tasty snack for all sorts of wild animals, which feel no guilt whatsoever over eating, stealing, the results of your hard work. Plants might get trampled by deer or broken off in a storm. Weeds always seem to grow at least twice as fast as the plants that you actually want. And sometimes you put seeds in the ground only to wait and wait, and nothing happens. They, they don't germinate. This is all a good reminder of the, the punishment for sin that God pronounced on Adam in the Garden of Eden. The soil is cursed on account of you. Thorns and thistles will spring up from it. <coughs> it's also something that Jesus points to as a picture of God's kingdom. The joys of gardening and the frustrations of gardening often look pretty similar to the joys and the frustrations of work in God's kingdom in this world. Our Lord Jesus points us to the sower and the seed, and he teaches us that as the word is sown, God grows his kingdom. Jesus told this parable of the sower and the seed at a time when crowds were flocking to him to hear his teaching. They, they came for all sorts of reasons. Some, of course, were there for the, the good reasons, the right reasons. They were there because they were eager to hear him teach because he taught as one who had authority, not like their teachers of the law. But there were others who were there because they were jealous because they were looking for something controversial to attack him over. They weren't there to learn from him, but they were there to criticize. And so this this setting actually makes a perfect backdrop for the parable that Jesus told. Uh, They found, the the people found Jesus sitting by the sea, uh, and the, the crowd that grew around him of all kinds of people was so big that Jesus got into a boat to teach them from the water, Matthew says that he told them many things in parables, but he only recorded this one. A sower went out to sow seed. This would have been the kind of thing done in a a field, not a a little vegetable garden. 
uh, the sower would walk along grabbing handfuls of seed and, and scattering them all around. And, and this, of course, is much, much faster than planting them one at a time, like you might do in your vegetable garden. But it does mean that the seeds are going to land in a variety of places. Jesus gives four. There's the hard path where the birds eat the seeds. There's the shallow, rocky soil where the, the plant springs up quickly and, and just as quickly dies in the hot sun. There's the thorns where the seed grows but is choked out and produces no fruit. And finally, there's the good soil where the seeds produce a harvest 100 times, 60 times, 30 times more than what was sown. At the time, that this was all that Jesus said, and, and so Matthew tells us that the disciples came to him later on, and they, they asked him why he taught so many things like this in, in parables. And Jesus explained, to those who listen, these parables are a treasure trove, the beautiful truths of God's kingdom taught in a manner that is simple and easy to understand. And at the same time, these very same parables are confounding to those who came as Jesus' enemies. How could they attack Jesus over talking about sowing seeds? But Jesus did also give further explanation of this parable to his disciples. The hardened path describes those people who hear the word and immediately disregard it or toss it aside, those enemies who came to hear him. The Pharisees were a perfect example of this. But truly, there have been people like this at every time, every place the gospel is proclaimed. And so the devil is all too happy to come and snatch it away, like the birds that greedily fight each other over a few seeds. The rocky ground, Jesus says, is the person who receives the word immediately with joy. But then like a, a plant with no roots in the hot sun, he quickly withers when trouble and persecution come his way. These ones are always sad to see in the church. They're so excited to be there at first. You know, we all like to see that kind of excitement. It's an encouragement to all of us. But a, a shallow faith is one that comes with all the wrong ideas. It's one that thinks that following Jesus is always going to be exciting, a constant thrill. But following Jesus sometimes means standing up under a hot sun of trouble and persecution with little water to be found. Bearing a cross as we follow our crucified Lord isn't just a possibility it's a necessity. Will trouble and persecution cause us to cling to Jesus more tightly? Or will it cause us to pack up and leave? Looking for something easier. More exciting. The third one Jesus gives is the seed that falls among the thorns. Almost every part of this world has thorny weeds, and so uh, people in different places might picture some different kind of weed, uh, but uh, no matter where you go, people will understand what Jesus is talking about here. Uh, like the last one, here the seed begins to grow. The person hears the, the word of God and takes it to heart at first. What does this person look like? Does he, does he come to church? Perhaps. 
his time? Does he serve others? Mm, only when there's something in it for himself. This one's not always so easy for us to judge. After all, Christmas and Easter Christians may still be Christians, though weak in their faith. But the, the person who truly produces no fruit, well, that person is no Christian at all. One thing ought to be pretty clear, though, as we, as we listen to this parable of Jesus, there are a lot of dangers for the seeds and the plants. There are a lot of frustrations in farming and in gardening and in work for God's kingdom. And I suppose we've all felt that frustration at times. We've known those people. The hard-hearted person who mocks the Bible and has no interest in what God's word really says, who needs it, but just won't listen. The friend who comes to church and leaves rejoicing and we're rejoicing with him, looking forward to the next week. Except the next week he isn't there. He's found something else, something more exciting. The young adult who was raised in the church who stood at her confirmation confessing her faith that she would rather die than turn away. But in reality, it didn't take the threat of death. All it took was high school and college, the pressure of friends, the distractions of money. You ever feel like your work for God's kingdom is in vain? It's not you they're rejecting, God told Samuel. It's me. What more could I have done for my vineyard? God asked through Isaiah. Why did it produce only sour grapes? Gardening can be frustrating work, but there's also a lot of joy to be found in gardening. When the sower goes out to sow the seed, he isn't worried about the path. He isn't troubled by the rocks or fearful of the thorns. He sows for the harvest. And Jesus sows the word of life for you. The true wonder uh, of the, is not that the the hungry beak of the devil would snatch the word from hardened hearts. It's not that the hot sun of persecution would wither weak souls. It's not that the thorny temptations of the world and its wealth would pierce people with many griefs. The true wonder is that in the barren, dusty dirt of our hearts, God, the Holy Spirit, would plant the seed of his word and would cause that word to grow, that he would nurture it so that it would take root, that it would blossom and flourish, and that it would bear fruit. We didn't make ourselves into good ground. We can't cause ourselves to bring forth life any more than dirt can generate a plant without a seed. It's the mighty word of God at work in us. 
The word that proclaims that by Jesus' death our sins are forgiven, that by his resurrection we have new life. It's the word that takes root in our hearts and leads us to stand tall in the light of God's glory with the joy of his righteousness. It's that word in our lives that bears fruit for this life and for eternal life. Brothers and sisters, I can't help but think that this text is a perfect text for us on this day. Today's a special day for us, for our church, as we install a new mission pastor this afternoon. Our prayers have been answered. We know what a blessing it is to have sowers sowing the seed of God's word, that mighty, gracious word among us. Remember this day, and don't ever take that word for granted. Rejoice that you too are a part of the spreading of that word. The seed will land in different places, but still the sower labors on. Sowing for the harvest. As the word is sown, God grows his kingdom. And what joy is ours to be counted in that harvest. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.